for Thought is presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Thanks for listening, everyone. Welcome back. A small group of people can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. That's what Margaret Mead, the social anthropologist, said. She also said, remember, you are absolutely unique, just like everyone else. That really doesn't have anything to do with the monologue, but I like the saying. I talk a good bit on the show about the theme of having one handful of life. It is a guiding principle for me. It keeps me focused, not just on success, but on significance. I want to make sure I am involved in something that is bigger than I am and that will last longer than I do. This principle has carried me across the globe in pursuit of making life better for people and now has me rooted here in Michigan with the Food Bank Council, striving to create opportunities to ensure no child, senior, or anyone in between struggles with not having enough or the right kind of food for themselves and their families. One of the most poignant lessons I learned along this journey has been that nothing of significance is ever accomplished alone. I like to remind myself that one is too small of a number to multiply. That is why when people walk across the threshold of our lives and express a willingness to partner with us in this grand mission of creating food security, we are humbled and excited. Today, Sharon Toth of the United Dairy Industry of Michigan is our guest, and Sharon, along with her team, are making an astonishing impact on our mission. We used to ask if we, quote, got milk, but now we don't have to because of the work and the partnership with UDIM. Our food banks across Michigan got milk, and it means more, especially in Flint, where the water crisis led to lead exposure And that was combated by Kara Ross and her team at the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan. Kara will join us to discuss how milk has helped reduce the effects of the lead exposure in Flint. Come back and join Jerry and me and hear the incredible story of how UDIM is making a difference in communities all across our state. We'll be right back. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight here with Jerry Brisson in the studio. And Jerry, as promised, Sharon Toth, the CEO for the United Dairy Industry Michigan, and our great partner is on the other line. And how happy are we? I mean, you know, you do so much for us, Sharon, and in so many ways, and you've helped us establish a whole new culture around how we can distribute fluid milk to literally tens of thousands of people in Michigan, and it's been one of the most exciting partnerships we've had the last couple of years. So great to have you, and we are eager to hear more. Well, thank you. It's, it's always a good day when we can talk about milk. Well, we're going to do that today because it does mean more. It means a lot more, as a matter of fact, to uh, our network and the people that we serve. And so um, 
Sharon, let's let's introduce you. Tell us a little bit about you and how you became the CEO for the United Dairy Industry, and then we'll talk about milk. Well, uh, I started working for dairy farmers over 30 years ago. Uh, when the opportunity came about, you know, I'm a registered dietitian, and I just couldn't think of a more nutritious food that I would be happy to, to represent and encourage people to consume. So I started uh, helping United Dairy Industry of Michigan has always been in schools, um, encouraging, you know, good nutrition with, with dairy part of that message. And so I started by teaching school teachers how to teach nutrition through the Michigan Model Program. And things just rolled from there. And um, I am just proud to, to work on behalf of our Michigan dairy farmers and promote the nutritious, delicious food that they work so hard every day to, to uh, produce for us. So I'm going to jump right into a topic because I just can't help myself. Uh what about tariffs and Michigan dairy? How is that panning out right now? Well, it's it's difficult for our farmers. Um, you know, agriculture has been hit very difficult. It's it's not really my area of expertise, um, but farm prices that milk prices that the dairy farmers are receiving are are very low, um, and the tariffs have hit them hit them very hard. So. So we're hoping for some, you know, trade trade negotiations to improve and and uh, better better global outlook. We we have a global economy, so so of course it hit them hard. And and I think it's important when we get into these topics about you know well why are we talking about milk on you know food for thought and 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 why do we make that part of our food security conversation? What you just said about it being nutritious and available, it protects a significant segment of our economy in Michigan, and that segment's really being stressed right now, and it affects our work in a significant way. And so I just wanted to start with a, maybe something a little bit meaty to say, you know, we have work to do to make sure that we're getting people the food they need, the right food in the right way. And, uh, and boy, your promotion of this industry really matters at a time when the industry is kind of facing a tough time. Well, you know, really, I think it goes back to, to people's nutritional needs, though, too. Um, you know, our dairy farmers are incredibly p- proud to partner with gleaners to help fill that nutrient gap and increase access to milk because, as I mentioned, there just isn't anything closer to our farmers' hearts than, than feeding people. And with an average of 8 grams of high-quality protein per cup, milk is just such an ideal product to supply to the food banking system. You know, if... If people are stressed, they shouldn't have to choose between paying bills and providing nutritious food to their families. And, and you know, if, if budgets are tight, they might opt for some less cost, costly beverages that are higher in sugar and calories and, and, and not going to provide their families with, with the nutrients. And they'll, they'll miss out on that great protein and all those other essential nutrients that milk can provide. So, so we're just ex- so excited to, to partner with Gleaners and, and make sure that families get the nutrition that they need. Well, on the other side of that for us is making sure we're providing food that's good for people, but also food that they want and need. It is one of the most requested items that we have is people want more milk. Um, And so that 
That's exciting. I, I was a guest lecturer at a class last night at Wayne State University, and I, I got to talking about milk. And I, had, I asked the question, okay, how many of you drink milk? And there's about 30 kids in the class. 28 raised their hands. I mean, you know, students are one of those populations we don't often think about as being food insecure, but many of them are. Mm-hmm. And and that's just another example of how this product is something that's not only very beneficial, but something people really want and need. And I'm just going to throw one more fact out, and I can see, you know, the good doctor looking at me like, are you going to let me talk, Jerry? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, we... Um, we went from distributing just a few years ago barely uh, a truck of dairy a month to now eight full truckloads of fluid milk every month. And that wouldn't be possible without your help and willingness to match and, and help us, you know, really find creative ways to get and distribute that. So for that and for the people all across Michigan who are served by your program, we just say thank you. Oh, well, you know what? it. It wouldn't work without the partnership, and um, your team at Gleaners has been so enthusiastic that um, it's just, you know, partnership, it's, it's mutually beneficial. Um, you're helping us get more milk to our families, and, and it's great. So I got a quick question for you, Jerry. When you say eight trucks, what there's lots of different sizes trucks. What are we talking about? Oh, here? yeah, 50-footers, the big yeah. ones. 53-footer yeah. tra- yep. refrigerated trailers. Yep. Okay, so that's a little more perspective in my mind. You know, my truck, I drive a pickup, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's an excellent point. Yeah, yeah. right, you yeah. are. Right. All right, well, let's let's continue this uh, conversation with Sharon Toth, the CEO of the United Dairy Industry of Michigan, Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight. This is Food for Thought. Come back and be with us. We'll be right here. Thanks for listening, everyone. Welcome back. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here in the studio with Sharon Toth, the CEO of United Dairy Industry of Michigan. And uh, Sharon, the partnership that we share with the Food Bank Council of Michigan and and UDIM is uh, is pretty extraordinary and, and, and one of the best ones we have, quite frankly. Um, and we've been working together now uh, around three years, uh, very intentionally. And uh, I asked Kath Clark... Um, for my team to put together some uh, like a little report for us, and I was astonished. And let me let me get reactions from you and Jerry when I tell you these numbers. So over the last three years, um, United Dairy Industry of Michigan has been responsible for helping the Food Bank Council of Michigan and our network of seven uh, Feeding America food banks here in here in Michigan distribute over five million servings of milk. Eight 53-foot refrigerated truckloads, and now you can see that this is happening in southeast Michigan. It's happening all over the state, and more than 5 million uh, servings of milk. And I, I don't really know how to put that in perspective, but I'm going to ask you two to help me do that because I think it's astonishing. Whoa, yeah. They say it takes a village. Well, it takes a state, um, and it's been all of the food pantries across the state working working to help get more milk to our to our children you know it it just warms my heart because we all know that children are our future and their health is so critical so and and dairy is is actually irreplaceable in their diet 
for all Michiganders, um, but particularly for kids because they are growing and mm-hmm. have such high nutrient needs. It's just hard to replace that those those nine essential nutrients that that milk provides. I, I debated on whether to share this or not, but let me just dive in here. I I was speaking at. Um, uh, school dietitians conference with the uh, Michigan Department of Education a couple of years ago. So I arrived and the, you know they walked me up and and the the person who was I was following the person who was currently speaking, and I I didn't get this person's name and that's probably a good thing so I don't have it to share it at this point. But one of the points he made was you know he he was not in favor of dairy and milk and I was sat there aghast. Now, here's what I, the reaction I got from the, from the reading the room there. All of those school dietitians and people who are working with the children every day, I thought, I really thought they were going to throw what food they had in front of them at him. And I, I, I really thought we were going to have a riot right there. So, you know, I, I walked up and said, you know, hey, um, you know, something very clever like, you know, I don't know about the guy that just left, but I'm going to tell you, milk means more to us. And they gave me a standing ovation right there, and that was the only words. I, said. I should have went left right there and not even done the rest of my speech. But I, I can't imagine somebody, somebody would be so opposed to something that is so good, as you say, Sharon, particularly for children. Yeah. Well, you know, I think some of it comes from misinformation that's, that's out there. Um, I know that staff at Gleaners, that they, they actually wanted to see firsthand how milk is produced. And so I had the good fortune to be able to join the, the Gleaners team on a farm tour where they learned how our Michigan dairy farmers, um, you know, how they take such good care of their animals and their land. And when they met the dairy farmer firsthand and saw his farm, saw how he cares for his animals, the farmer was able to dispel some myths about milk. Hmm. Um, And I think that helped to make the Gleaners team feel even better about providing wholesome milk to their clients. Um, So I I know that that they learned firsthand that it's true. Happy cows make the best milk. Mm-hmm. And in Michigan, you know, it is our dairy farmers' number one priority to have happy, healthy cows, and they they do that by making sure that the cows have the best food and that they have clean, comfortable bedding, and that the they you know they they monitor their cows every day for for signs of illness so that they can take care of them and you know catch it be, before it gets bad. Sure. Um, I know that something else that that surprised the Gleaners team was how local milk is in Michigan. Um, milk in our state travels from the farm to your table in less than 48 hours. So you're, you're getting that fresh, wholesome, nutritious product uh, right from our local farmers. Yeah, absolutely. So could you talk to us a little bit, um, Sharon, about uh, during the Flint water crisis, um, UDIM and your all of your partners played a significant role in helping provide uh, foods that would um, mitigate the effects of the lead exposure. And, uh, of course, we worked with um, the Food Bank Council of Michigan and the state of Michigan and Food Bank of Eastern Michigan there in Flint to help distribute that. Could you tell us a little bit about how that happened and and, uh, the role that UDIM played in that? Well, um, 
actually the, the main role was with Michigan Milk Producers Association. And when their president learned that calcium, that good nutrition, is really just so important, full tummies um, is important for kids so that they don't absorb the lead if, there's, if they're ingesting lead. One of the best preventions is, is a full tummy. But also, calcium competes with lead for absorption. So dairy is critical. So having, having proper nutrition, particularly um, good sources of calcium. And it was actually Michigan milk producers that in that first week when the news broke about children being exposed to lead, that Michigan milk producers um, jumped on the bandwagon and they were able to get, like I said, it takes 48 hours from farm to table. They directed truckloads, tankers of milk to be processed. They worked with um, Kroger Company and Michigan Dairy. Um, There was just a lot of people making a lot of donations um, along the way. And within, within two days, three days, they got truckloads of milk to the Eastern Michigan Food Bank. Um, so our farmers, like I said, they're just, they're just very generous and, um, and, and they care about kids. Absolutely. Well, they, they sure demonstrated that for sure. Jerry? You know, I think this is a, uh, just a prime example of how we're changing the conversation about food security in Michigan. And I just want to say that the the lead mitigation program, as well as the matching program, as well as really understanding better what what's involved in the milk supply, how readily available it is, how much the farmers themselves want to be personally engaged. And I and I probably am just going to pause for a second and say, it is amazing to us how the milk producers care about people who need help. It, it just comes out immediately and with a great deal of warmth and understanding in an industry where they've probably had to suffer a little hunger themselves. I mean, uh, and from time to time, I think all farmers have that challenge that not every year is as good as the next or the one before, and you have ups and downs and cyclical pricing and other things that can make life challenging. And it's a group of people that really understand why we do what we do and that it really does not just help in the short term, but in the long term as people are are struggling to make ends meet. So I know a little editorial there, but the, the conversation um, that we've had with you and the work we've done with you have really helped us uncover a whole opportunity to really reach people with with what they want and need in pretty significant quantities. So that's how we're going to solve this problem, step by step, piece by piece, and you you are absolutely critical in that process. Well, you know, I would also like to give a big shout-out and a big thank you to all of the supporters of Gleaners. Uh, you know, without their donations, we couldn't do all of this work to, to nourish the children in our community. So um, a big, big shout out to Gleaners, uh, Gleaners supporters. Um, it, they, they make it possible. Well, it's great to have you, Sharon. Sharon Toth, the CEO for the United Dairy Industry of Michigan. She's a partner for our food banks here in the state and a great partner in that. Sharon, thanks for being our guest here on Food for Thought. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for all that you do for our children and our families in Southeast Michigan and across the state. 
Now we're going to talk with Kara Ross, the CEO at the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, about how milk has meant more in Flint. Jerry and I will be right back in just a moment. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Brought to you by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, and our guest, Kara Ross, the CEO for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, located in Flint. Kara, welcome back to Food for Thought. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today. Well, we had a great conversation with Sharon Toth, who is the CEO, as you know, of the United Dairy Industry of Michigan. And we, we talked a little bit about how the milk played such a significant role during the water crisis, particularly as one of the foods that would help lessen the, the, the debilitating exposure of lead, to, particularly to the children in Flint. And honestly, Kara, I'm, we're not sure how that would have got distributed if it had not been for you and your team there in Flint. Well, we appreciate that. We definitely heard during that time from our, our medical community that really the, the mix of vitamins and having proper nutrition, especially in the diet of young children that were exposed to lead, was so vitally important. So when you talk about calcium, vitamin C, iron, these these nutrients that help um, when you have been exposed to lead, uh, do so much. And milk is uh, obviously for for our community a very important um, consideration in, in this mix and having the proper nutrition to help really battle this lead exposure in our very young children who are still growing. And really the effects of this type of exposure isn't, isn't quite known. Nobody's giving us a, a lot of information about what this might look like in five or ten years for these children and the, hmm. the families that have been affected. So milk plays a great role in that. We're happy to partner and, and get it to neighborhoods and communities here in Flint that need it. Um, very vital resource and a great partnership, uh, of course, for us and so many food banks here in the state. Well, and you have such a unique relationship with uh, education providers in your area. It's probably worth just talking about that for a minute. I mean, you're providing a lot of meals every day for kids. We do. We have a, a full culinary program here where we do vend, you know, we used to vend our meals, if you will, for our children's feeding programs. And now we're able to prepare these meals right here on site with our, our wonderful culinary team. And we work very closely uh, with our GISD and nutritionists and other partners that help us design menus even that will not only be beneficial for nutrition, but also in the consideration of lead exposure here in Flint. Um, So getting the meals out to Head Start programs, to after-school programs, we've been able to really adjust those up to fill nutrients um, that we've been, again, told by the medical community that children need so much right now. Uh, especially here in Flint. But good nutrition is good all the time, right? So mm. uh, having those conversations and improving the meals and the the vitamin content of what we're able to provide, again, with that program, or even when you talk about snacks or extras, uh, that's been vitally important as well to what we're doing. And we know when we talk about changing the conversation about food security in Michigan that this 
kind of programming is how we're changing the conversation. We're doing things we never did before, and I want to just circle back to Mm -hmm. how that partnership with the United Dairy Industries of Michigan has helped us through their match programs and other things through the Food Bank Council really enable some of that. And I know you've been doing a lot of that up there in Flint. Yeah, we really have, and it's made a huge difference from the partners that we work with in our um, faith-based communities, from pantries to soup kitchens to the variety of ways that we're able to help a neighborhood and help a community. Having fresh milk and that resource um, compared to, you know, even a few years ago, has made a tremendous difference on how they're able to provide this to families in need and seem seemingly, you know, count on it now to know that it's going to be coming, that this resource isn't something that's close to expiration. It's fresh. It's mm-hmm. ready. It's here for you, um, just like you and I would go to our grocery store and, and purchase milk for our family. So the partnership with, um, you know, United Dairy of Michigan and, you know, partners around milk, the processors, the, you know, the the farmer themselves, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> everything is so vital. Um, having that from cow to, you know, the milk to come and be available for families that might not otherwise be able to go and afford that and have it in their homes for their families. So it's been um, just, again, so wonderful to have here. We received so many uh, great compliments and comments, not only from our faith-based partners and, and partners that we work with, but from families that are able now to take this home and provide it. Uh, to their children and to their household. So it's it's made a great difference here in our area. She's Kara Ross. She's the CEO for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan located in Flint. And Kara, I have to say that just piggybacking one of Jerry's thoughts there that I think you guys have been a excellent leader for our network and across the U.S. as well in the Feeding America network. That we are doing food banking different than what we've done it in the past. We're doing more. We're doing better. And I think that um, that organizations like the state of Michigan are turning to us because we, you guys are experts in this field. You're dependable. And, uh, and one of the greatest values I think that we bring to any partnership is that we, we deal in, we might deliver food, but we really deal in trust. And so I think that you guys have that great reputation for Flint and the other, uh, the entire 22 counties that you serve there. And so thanks for being our guest here on Food for Thought and for the great work that you've done to help uh, these kids and their families and all of them really survive this Flint water crisis. And um, and I guess we really would have to say that milk really does mean more. Oh, it, it sure does. Thank you. It's great to have you. Jerry and I will be back to wrap up this edition of Food for Thought in just a moment. Welcome back to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, we're back here on Food for Thought. Jerry, um, Sharon Toth, and Kara Ross, and this entire network of the Food Bank Council, our seven food banks, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm playing on this tagline, right? But it really, milk has meant 
a tremendous amount to our network and thereby the people that we serve. You know, it really became clear to me how much has changed in the network when I was at this class last night, and I mentioned it once before on the show. Um, so one of the one of the students in the class raised their hand and said, "You know, I volunteered, uh, you know, ten years ago, and I couldn't believe it. You know, I I'm not that old. How could she be that old? But anyway, and she said, ten years ago I was there, and I don't think I saw." any non or any perishable food i only saw non-perishable yeah shelf stable food right and i thought to myself and i and you know it really is true our distribution last year was 42 percent produce Hmm. and this year it's eight truckloads a month of milk and that is a significant difference, even just in the last 10 years, in terms of the type of food that we're distributing to our community. And, and of course, health care is a concern to us. We've talked a lot about that. Right. Um, and it's a concern to the people we serve, right? We are getting people food they want and need in very creative and new ways and our network and, and all of us doing this work are doing this in a very purposeful way. And so it's been great to talk to Sharon and Kara about just the impact of these partnerships on the people we serve. So in the network, the Food Bank Council of Michigan Network, um, total, we cumulatively distributed 181 million pounds across the state. And 80 million pounds of that 181 million pounds was fresh produce. And about 97% of that was all Michigan grown. Yep. Yep. And uh, an example of how these partnerships in our very own state are creating opportunities for us to do more and better, not just so we can say there's more pounds of food out there, but really thinking about how that's impacting the lives of the people we serve in very positive ways for their health, for even when you think about the the impact of proper nutrition on how you think every day. You know, the, the more healthy food you eat, the more alert you are and the more active you are in general. And so it, it really does have a cascading positive impact impact on everyone. Yeah, I'm going to get you an apple before next week's show then. <laughs> I'll eat it. I'll eat it. I love apples. So, you know, it 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 does the other thing it that brings up to me is you talk about food that that people both want and need. Um and that goes to consumption, right? And in the household impact model, we do account for a bit of waste because we know that probably not everything that we're giving is being eaten. And if if food isn't eaten, then it is waste, right? And pretty expensive, too. So, you know, uh, again, we, we've we've talked about the issue of food waste on our show in several different ways. And, and then recently, we talked about how in the United States, half of the produce that we purchase, that's the whole country, actually goes to waste. Half. Right. That's a huge number. And so because it's it can it can spoil so quickly or at least become less appetizing so quickly, we have to be very conscientious about how much we distribute all at one time. And our practices in the past were get it in, get it out. So if we got 18 totes of zucchini, we'd get it all in and get it all out. <laughs> and one of the things we learned is that's not really the best way to do that. That there's other ways to distribute a product that's healthy and good and tasty, and particularly if you know what to do with 
it. Um, but but you have to you have to m- moderate your distribution so that people are getting just enough. Make sure they're going to use it. Uh, we we support families with recipes and creative ideas for how they can grate zucchini and put it in salad, and and it's it's very tasty and good, and and yet um, more likely than to be consumed. And so all of those things are part of the game when you start looking at how do you get to food security. So just a quick plug for a future show. You remember Cheryl Kirschenbaum from food at MSU. We've had her on the show a couple of times. Uh, the, the, the fourth and most recent wave of the Michigan State University Food Literacy and Engagement Poll, which is a study about food waste, Cheryl's going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks to bring that new data about food waste here in Michigan to us. She was just in Washington, D.C. at the Association for Advancement of Science in distributing and talking and presenting that report, she's going to do it on Food for Thought in just a few weeks. And again, all part of changing the conversation about food security. There are lots of opportunities for us to take better advantage of the food that's already being grown, right? And how do we make sure that we distribute that in a way that's most impactful impactful for the community. And so all that's good. And again, talking about milk, getting back around to that conversation, that is a huge part of the conversation. And I think will be a growing part of the inventory that we distribute because though it is highly perishable, it is highly desirable, it is convenient, it is something that kids generally like. I mean, again, the college kids I just talked to, 28 out of 30 said they drink milk. Right. I mean, that's pretty amazing. When they can get it, right? Yeah, right. Exactly right. So I think, too, that that, that brings us to um, uh, a part of the conversation that we talked about on the show some, but we haven't really you know, delved deep enough into. And, and that is that, um, you, and you mentioned it a minute ago, but I want you to unpack it a little bit more, how things have changed over the last seven to ten years in you know, used to be maybe in 40 years ago when we first started, any food would do. And we know any food solves hunger, right? That's why there's dollar menus. <laughs> so, but that doesn't mean it's best for kids in education, it, whether they're in the third grade or their third year in college. It's not the best thing health-wise. It's just not the best. And I think that our network, in particular here in Michigan, has really made it an emphasis that we're going to do the best we can by the people that we serve. We're going to give them the best, not the least. And we do that not just from the the supply side. We also get food at the lowest possible cost. So we combined our knowledge of what su- food supply is available with what people want and need, and we cross those two things so that you get the best results at the lowest cost. Mm -hmm. And both are important, right? Because you have to be concerned about the gap and the meal gap in the communities we serve is still significant. So you have to reach more people and you have to reach them better. So making sure food is actually consumed and not wasted is part of lowering the cost for the impact that you get, right. knowing how to source food, whether it's milk or produce or anything else that's healthy, is another way that you do that. And it's making us smarter and smarter all the time, which is going to help us really solve this problem. 
Well, I think so. It's going to help us solve the problem. And these great partnerships like Sharon Toth at UDIM. Uh, we've had Ken Nobis on, Nobis on the show uh, from the Michigan Milk Producers Association. Uh, those are just two examples uh, that are people that have come alongside of us uh, because they, they, I think, are starting to believe that it is really is possible that we can create food security and solve this. And food security simply means that a person can solve hunger for themselves. Well, and that's the best possible case, right? So we know food is a work support. We know it's income for households when we provide food to those households. And we know that 47% of the people we serve have at least one employed person in their household. So we know we've got to put all these thoughts together, keep putting to them together. How mm-hmm. does business benefit when this is solved? How does health care benefit? How does education benefit, as you just mentioned? And continue to connect those dots so that we can get the right investment in the right ways to have a food secure community that's operating optimally. Because we all benefit when this problem is solved, and that is why we have to head in this direction. Love it. Thanks, Jerry. I guess it's time for a little food for thought. Edmund Burke, the legislator who led the fight against slavery in Great Britain, said, after the historic measure passed the House of Commons, quote, the biggest mistake anyone ever makes is when they choose to do nothing because they believe they can only do a little. I hope that that paralyzing thought isn't holding you back from doing something significant with your one handful of life. Get involved. Volunteer. I don't think any of us should be held back from making a difference because we don't think we are enough. It really isn't a question of our ability, but it is a question of our availability. Thanks for listening. Catch all our shows at foodsecuremichigan.org. And until next time, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. for Thought has been a presentation of the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.